0: The Jerusalem Channel is made possible by viewer support. Thanks for watching. Nobody likes to be corrected by a busybody or an overbearing person, but Proverbs 27 6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. The New International Version renders this Bible verse, Wounds from a friend can be trusted. But a literal translation of the original Hebrew says it best, faithful are the wounds of a lover. The Hebrew in this verse literally means that wounds from someone who loves you can be trusted. Jesus is the lover of our souls and His wounds are faithful. Join me in the next few minutes to discuss how deep this concept really is. Hello, I'm Christine Dark. Proverbs 27 6 says, Better are the wounds of a friend than the deceitful kisses of an enemy. This verse is always taken to mean that a real friend will rebuke us in love in order to affect change in our lives or to cause us to get back on track. Although embarrassing or stinging, friendly reproofs may wound us, but if a rebuke proceeds from love and integrity, it should be weighed and considered. However, I want to take this text Proverbs 27.6, and apply it specifically to the literal wounds that Jesus suffered during His torture and crucifixion. His sacred wounds that He endured were what made provision for both our salvation and our healing. The Bible says that like sheep, we all have a tendency to go astray, and we're all incurably sick but the Lord's wounds and stripes have the power to heal us. Before we go further, please understand the fact that the cross of Jesus wasn't a tragedy. The world must stop seeing Jesus as a helpless victim. He volunteered to die as the savior of the world. The cross was the greatest triumph and achievement in the universe. The cross wasn't a failure, but a fulfillment of many important Bible prophecies. The cross of Messiah was a great exploit, the greatest feat of faith in the history of the world. Greater than David slaying the giant Goliath. Greater than Samson destroying the Philistines. Greater than all the exploits of Alexander the Great and all the most skilled generals and warriors who've ever lived. Why is a symbol of suffering and seeming defeat the greatest, most prestigious accomplishment ever achieved in the history of the world? Why is the cross of Jesus greater than any Olympic gold medal, greater than a purple heart, greater than the Nobel Prize, greater than any engineering feat, literary opus, medical or scientific discovery? in the annals of men. Why? Because at the cross, Jesus defeated our foe Satan and sealed the adversary's doom. The Lord's action of suffering and dying as a bleeding sacrifice potentially set all people free from the consequences of sin and wasting diseases. If we'll receive the Lord's substitutionary atonement on our behalf rather than trying to save ourselves, that is a great accomplishment for us to receive. In fact, the Bible teaches that we can't save ourselves, and that's why God sent us helpless human beings, the world's only savior. And the wounds of Jesus, the sinless one, were utterly faithful, guarantees of our salvation and healing according to the predetermined plan of the God of Israel. In this regard concerning the wounds of Jesus, for years I've taught healing as one of the benefits included in the Lord's Atonement. Isaiah 53 is the Gospel in the Old Testament, perhaps the most famous chapter of the Tanakh, the Hebrew Scriptures, that refers to the suffering servant and that foresaw the travail of Messiah in making atonement for Israel and the world. I want to read this important chapter. Who has believed our report, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness, and when we see him, But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before his shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living, for the transgressions of my people he was stricken. And they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death. Because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he poured out his soul into death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors." Well this certainly here in the Old Testament is a portrait of the Messiah in the prophetic scriptures. Now the Jewish people don't yet accept Jesus as Messiah, so they explain that the suffering servant in this chapter wasn't Jesus, but the nation of Israel. And I'd like to concede that their claim is partially legitimate, even if it's not the total interpretation. The Jewish people's intense suffering for the past 2,000 years hasn't been in vain, but has prepared them to rule the nations with Messiah Yeshua when He returns. The Jewish people do strive to live in peace with others. They do help the poor nations. They heal the sick and they bind up the broken. They pursue justice and many of them hunger for righteousness and love their God and their neighbor as themselves. However, there's no escaping the fact that Isaiah 53 does clearly teach the doctrine of the substitution of one innocent man for the guilty. Two things are clearly asserted in Isaiah 53, that the Messiah would suffer, but not for his own sins, but for ours. And that the purpose of his suffering was to enable us to make peace with God. So the practical conclusion is that we should avail ourselves of this great atonement accomplished when Jesus suffered for us and certainly we shouldn't waste and disregard his atonement. Isaiah 53, five declares, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes, we are healed. This is the good news and in the New Testament, The Apostle Peter quoted this verse, but put it in the past tense, on the other side of the cross, as it were, as an accomplished fact for time and eternity. 1 Peter 2.24 declares, By whose stripes you were healed, past tense. Especially descriptive is the rendering of this verse in the Aramaic Bible in plain English. It says, He, Jesus, that is Yeshua in Aramaic, in Hebrew. He took all of our sins and lifted them to his body on the cross. For as we are dead to sin, we shall live in his righteousness. For by his scars you have been healed. That's a beautiful rendering, but I've discovered even another dimension recently in the Hebrew of Isaiah 53, 5. Now, it says in most English translations that we're healed by his wounds, while other translations say we're healed by his stripes. Stripes being a word picture of the Lord's terrible wounds achieved during his scourging. But recently, I was amazed when I read a commentary on Isaiah 53 5 by one of my Messianic Israeli friends. His commentary gave yet another dimension to this verse. As we've said in Isaiah 53, it's written, by his stripes we're healed. But my Messianic friend, who's been speaking Hebrew for 50 years, said another way of translating this verse could be, by his friendship we're healed. This was the first time I've ever read such a rendering. My Israeli friend said he's confessed this phrase many times to prevent suffering a stroke and a heart attack and to cure everything from the flu to an arthritic hip, bronchitis, and an aching back. He suggested that we say these words over and over again in Hebrew, Be'havu rato nir palanu. And he said, once the words are yours, begin to apply their power for the glory of God. Now, please don't misunderstand me. We don't teach formulas like a talisman for salvation or healing. So I'm certainly not suggesting that by endlessly repeating Isaiah 53.5 in Hebrew or in any other language, you can automatically be healed. But whenever true faith kicks in, you'll notice the victory when you really start to believe when you're confessing God's word. The Hebrew language is very deep. And we in the church haven't even begun to scratch the surface of it. You see, God created the universe by speaking it into existence, and because we're created in the image of God, there's power in the words that we speak, especially, of course, when we apply genuine faith to our words. Faith is required to activate the power of God when declaring His word, or we're just going through the motions and giving lip service to the scriptures. It's good to speak as God speaks. The purpose of saying Isaiah 53.5 over and over again in Hebrew is so that it will become as familiar as using our own mother tongue. And it makes a point of contact to empower our faith. If you can, find someone who speaks Hebrew fluently to ask for the proper pronunciation of, by his stripes I'm healed. Otherwise, you can make a faith confession along the lines of, being part of the lord's body i'm healed or being in christ i'm healed now i was wondering why my israeli friend said that the hebrew word in isaiah 53 5 that's translated wounds or stripes can also be rendered as friendship while he wasn't brought up in the church or influenced by christian theological thinking he just discover this extra dimension about the Lord's friendship and healing by knowing Hebrew roots. I checked my Hebrew lexicon and looked up the word that's usually translated wounds or stripes. The word in question, chabara and it means a bruise. This can also be translated as hurt or stripe. My concordance also translates this word habara as blow, scourging, welts or wounds. So where did my Israeli friend get the additional meaning of friendship? That by the suffering servants friendship were healed. Well keep in mind that Hebrew words are formed from three letter consonants called roots. The vast majority of words in the Hebrew language can be boiled down to their three consonant root word. It's a stem that contains the essence of the word's meaning. Even if you can't read Hebrew, you can get some insight into the meaning of a word by identifying its root. Then shades of meaning are accomplished by adding and interspersing vowels, prefixes, and suffixes to the root. So the root meaning for wounds or stripes can be understood as to unite or to be joined. Hebrew dictionaries additionally describe this root to mean a society, a group of friends, a company of people, such as the disciples of Jesus. Isn't that amazing? My Bible concordance says that this root Chabar also means allies, attached, joined together, touched or touching. Many shades of meaning. So if the root word Chabar means to couple together or to have fellowship with or to be in league with someone, then we can apply this meaning to healing by having fellowship with Yeshua and His wounds. After all, it's a prominent doctrine of the New Testament that when we're joined to Jesus like a bride to a bridegroom, we do have intimate fellowship with Him. And truly we're healed and receive imparted strength and power because we're one with Him. We're mystically members of His body. In fact, according to New Testament doctrine, Believers are members of a mystical body under Christ, who's our head. Therefore, union with Christ is a central doctrine of the New Testament to describe the believer's relationship with Messiah. In fact, the New Testament expression, in Christ, occurs 216 times in the letters of Paul and 26 times in the writings of the Apostle John. In Christ is Paul's favorite term to describe the personal and dynamic relationship of the believer to Jesus. The expression in Christ appears in a variety of contexts. If being in Messiah is being joined with him and being in fellowship with him, how can we not be healed when we think about it? Because our intimate, and close relationship brings us into communion with Him. You see, a born-again believer's experience is more than just an imitation of Jesus. Rather than imitating, we actually experience the risen Lord indwelling our hearts and our bodies, which are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Although the phrase in Christ is the essence of Paul's preaching and experience, It didn't originate with Paul. The concept of being in union with Messiah originated with Jesus himself. The Lord stated in John chapter 15, verse four, abide or remain in me and I will abide in you. No branch, Jesus said, can bear fruit by itself. It must abide in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you abide or remain in me, he said. So being in Christ means to be united mystically to his body, which is full of life and healing. And so we share from his body all the benefits of his strength, wounds, and his atonement. The Isaiah prophecy that by the wounds or by our union and fellowship our friendship with the Lord, we are healed, brought to my mind Proverbs 27 6, which I mentioned at the beginning. Faithful are the wounds of a friend who loves. Truly, Yeshua's wounds are faithful in the sense that they're worthy, for it was through the blood of his wounds that we're washed, saved, and healed. It was through his passion that we're redeemed. Now, passion is a term we need to define because when we hear the phrase, for example, the passion of the Christ, which was the title of a Mel Gibson film, we may be confused because passion in most people's minds today is a sensual word. But in Christianity, passion is a translation of a Greek word meaning to suffer. His passion describes events that happened during the Lord's last visit to Jerusalem. His Last Supper, his agony in the Garden of Gethsemane, his betrayal, his illegal trial in the middle of the night, the mockery, the scourging, the crown of thorns, and his horrific execution by crucifixion. The wounds of the Lord's passion are faithful because he's the only one authorized by God to save us. And the Lord remains faithful under all circumstances. There's so much teaching about faith today and faith is vitally important, but sometimes we feel absolutely overwhelmed and crushed to the point that our faith seems to be frozen or it just dissipates away. The Lord prays for us that our faith won't fail. Trust, on the other hand, has been described as dependence upon God's absolute faithfulness. Sometimes all we have left is a blind trust in the faithfulness of God that somehow He'll pull us through. We talk a lot about the Lord's wounds being able to heal us from sickness and disease, but what about anxiety and depression? We can't just snap our fingers and command a person who's suffering from clinical depression. Just have faith. But a consistent trust in the Lord's friendship as well as His stripes, His fellowship will eventually bring us victory over fear and anxieties because of His closeness and comfort. So how can we be healed? Remember, it's not only by the power of the substitutionary wounds or stripes of Jesus, but we've also learned that by maintaining a close personal friendship and relationship with Jesus, that we can be delivered from fear and sicknesses. By His deep friendship, by our being in Messiah, we are secure and healed. catch sight of his wounds so we can appropriate them as our God-ordained prescription for healing. Our means of healing is his friendship and with his stripes. Envision his stripes as our substitutionary antidote for sickness. His back was bared during his passion. His hands were tied to a post. And two strong Roman soldiers took turns flogging Jesus in tandem on either side. The Roman scourge was a diabolical instrument made of strips of leather tied at the ends with sharp pieces of bone or iron dumbbells to bruise and cut the flesh. Jewish law forbade more than 40 stripes, but Jesus was scourged not by Jews but by the Romans We know for a fact that Jesus' scourging was particularly severe because the Roman governor, Pilate, had intended his scourging to be a substitution for crucifixion. Pilate had hoped that the severity of the scourging would suffice and cause the people not to press for further punishment. But they did, and Jesus endured this extra torture because He knew the Scriptures, that by His stripes we would be healed. Well, almost 2,000 years have passed since that almost unspeakable ordeal, but its significance is ongoing and eternal. The Lord's scourging is a radical cure. Don't forget that one of the meanings we've discovered of the Hebrew word For wound is touch, so I invite you by faith to touch his wounds, make contact by faith with his healing wounds. For he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes, with his friendship, we were healed. The disease of sin is universal and incurable except by the stripes, wounds, and friendship of Jesus. I hope this time of looking into the Word of God together has been edifying. We invite you to visit our website at exploits.tv where you can click online for a free copy of our Color Magazine Exploits. I'd like to send you a copy. We also regularly post details about our many strategic prayer conferences in the Bible lands. Meanwhile, I'd enjoy chatting with you on Facebook or Twitter. And so until next time, earnestly contending for the faith, which includes divine healing, I'm Christine Darick, blessings and Shalom. Something prophetic, something biblical and surely significant is always happening here in the city of the great King in Jerusalem, the worship capital of the world. We want to thank you for being a part of the Jerusalem channel and for faithfully supporting it. It's because of your support that we're able to bring vital Insights in these last days. And we especially want to remind you to receive your free copy of our Exploits Ministry magazine. You can receive it by going 24 7 to our website at exploits.tv. And in the United States, we have a toll free number. Also in the UK, we have a telephone number so that you can send us your comments, which I always enjoy reading and your prayer request. I want to pray for you here in the City of the Great King. So please stay in touch with me via Twitter, Facebook, or our website. Blessing you from the City of the Great King. I'm Christine Darg. Shalom.